Hey everyone, welcome to the Fin Factor. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. And this is episode number 112. Aaron, we just got done with a two-game miniseries against the Arizona Coyotes. Did not go very well. First game, the Sharks lose by a score of 5-2. to two. Um, You call this game actually more of a blowout because there was a late goal by the Sharks, right? Yeah, it was 5-1. to one. I mean, it was 2-1 to one going into the third period, but then uh, three goals in a row. Pretty quick, too. Uh, put them up five to one. At that point, the game was pretty much out of hand. Sharks did score one with uh, about seven and a half minutes left in the game to make it five two. So it doesn't sound as bad, but it was pretty bad. It was a bad third period. Martin Jones actually stopped 20 of the first 22 shots on goal there through the first two periods. Uh, for me, he stood on his head for the majority of the game uh, up until that third period there were maybe one or two, you can say, uh, blaming him, but it really did seem like the Sharks just were not playing well around him for the majority of uh, that third period. And um, there was that turning point. I think the turning point of the game, really, I think uh, Hedekin had said this as well, was the the missed pass, the intercepted pass from Brent Burns. Um, it was right in their zone, defensive zone. He tries to get it up and out, and he tries to go up more towards the middle of the ice, and it just gets intercepted. Um, that puts the game at three to one, and that ends up being the the game winning goal. So, um, you know, the three goals in the third period there, uh, all of them within a span of two minutes and 11 seconds. Um, it, it's just, <laughs> I don't know what it is, the third period with this team lately. It used to be the second period that everyone was worried about. Now it seems to be the third. Um, I, I don't know. What do you think about that, man? I almost wish it was the second period because at least you have a whole third period to kind of come back. So it's pretty bad timing for the Sharks. Um, to me, it's it's mental error. Like Brent Burns knows not to throw that pass up there, and he's just trying to do it. And uh, he had two guys on him, I believe, two two four checkers with him back there, and he just kind of stumbles after he passes it. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the dagger, I think, and obviously the nail in the coffin is the game winner. So, um, unfortunate. I think I think a lot of this are a lot of these mistakes to me are mental mistakes. They're they're the players know better. I think. Um, I, to me, that's why I think I keep calling this a stepping stone to next season. I think uh, they're going to be ironing out these details into next year. So make as many mistakes as you want this year and, and be terrible so you can kind of get it out of your system. But uh, with all these young guys and, and not even young guys, I mean, this is Brent Burns doing that. Um, I think uh, changing that style of play and getting that new system in there with Bugner, I think, I think is going to help going into next season. It's going to take a while. And it's, I mean, he basically has had a season and a half and it was dealing with COVID the whole time. So not exactly ideal for a new coach to come in and, and change things around. Um, they're doing what they can, but still um, that's again, to me, this is still not a playoff team. They're not going to make playoffs. Yeah, sure. They're not mathematically out of it, but they're pretty darn close. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I'm with you on that one. Um, Bob Bugner, I asked him about the, uh, the third period. I said, you know, it, was this a defensive structure failure or do you feel Jones fell off? Because Bob Bugner has mentioned before that he's not like a goalie guy. And uh, one of these post games, I would love to see if getting Nabokov maybe uh, stand in front and take some questions about goaltending because it'd be nice to get uh, that goalie guy uh, experience with uh, some of the answers and the would questions you, uh, that the media folks have, you know. So, yeah. Would um, you be able to request Nabokov? I, that is a great question. Um, we'll have to ask if we can do that because you can request specific players, um, you know, in advance. Uh, but I don't know if you could do coaches. That would be very interesting. We have to. Yeah, maybe we should uh, try and get Nabokov on this show again. A one-on-one. Yeah, that was more of a hockey Hall of Fame or not hockey yeah. Hall of Fame, but San Jose Hall of Fame induction. It was a little different. 
Yeah. It's him. And he wasn't, co- he was coaching the minors at that point, right? He wasn't coaching in the NHL at that point. So. Yes. Yeah. He was, he was goaltending coach for the Barracuda. He's since obviously uh, been bumped up to the uh, Sharks goaltending coach. Um, but, but I want, the thing I want to say about uh, talking to Bob about the third period and if it was a distra- defensive zone uh, structure failure or if it was Jones, um, he made it very clear. He said, no, 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 no. Jones was fine. Um, as we didn't have a lot of support around him. You know, we let the guy stand in front of our net. Uh, we, we weren't physical enough in front of our house. So uh, there was a lot going on defensively. It, it didn't seem to be a problem with Martin Jones specifically. Now, Dubnik gets the start for the next game. But again, this is back to back. I'm imagining every Friday, Saturday game, you're always going to see uh, one goaltender in and then the other goaltender in. So I don't think that had any factor uh, at all whatsoever. The, the previous games play. In fact, again, Bob Wigner had said it, it wasn't Jones. Uh, this loss is not on Jones. He played very well. So um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because I know I'm usually the one that's saying, uh, you know, sticking up for the goalies. And uh, <laughs> even Bob Bugner, the not goalie guy, uh, is kind of saying the same thing in this case. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. You know, the other the other big thing here was Nick Schmaltz, the $5,000 fine for the uh, boarding call on Radim Shimmick. Um, the, there was a couple of things about this. One, poor Shimmick has been <laughs> beat up lately. And I did want to bring that up and I'll get your thoughts in just a second here. But uh, the other part of this was Dylan Gambrell, um, probably the flyweight of the team, right? Uh, <laughs> stepping up for Rodney Shimmick as well, kind of grabbing Nick Schmaltz and shoving him into the corner, not really doing anything, not doing any damage and not very uh, threatening or intimidating, maybe we'll say, but at least, you know, kind of um, showcasing that example of culture uh, that's being built around this team. And we'll get to that more in just a second. So I'll go back. Um, kind of give me your thoughts on the the hit, the fine, uh, and why Shimmick seems to always have uh, bad luck and a target on his back. I don't know. Well, I think he has a target on his back because he throws out some good hits. Not uh, not dirty hits, but he throws out some good, strong hits. So players are kind of looking, especially forwards. You dump the puck and it's your chance to actually hit, usually hit a defenseman. Now, this hit was dirty. I think it should have been a suspension, maybe just a game, maybe two at the most. But it would send a message like these hits are not OK. It's very dangerous. And, you know, juxtapose that to the hit tonight that Gam- uh, that Gabriel threw out. Um, even Bugner said in the post game tonight that it's it's different. Like, is it I thought that the the Shimmick hit was more dangerous than it was than than Gabriel's hit tonight. So. Um, and I agree, getting hit into the boards like that from behind, that's a very dangerous play. I mean, you could break a guy's neck doing that. Uh, Gabriel said at least, I mean, it was. I'm not saying it was a clean hit. I'm not saying it was, I'm not going to defend it, but at least it was in the open ice. He didn't hit his head on the ice. He didn't hit his head in the boards. Um, so it's a very dangerous play. You never know what can happen when you, when you hit a guy from behind into the boards like that. So I thought, you know, a $5,000 fine, uh, that's just, even for a, bottom barrel $750,000 minimum league player. That's not much money. So um, that was just not even a slap on the wrist. That was just a, ha, yeah, that was bad. You just don't do that again. Give us some cash, you know, and we'll put this under the table. I think it's ridiculous. That should have been a game suspension. And I feel like the sharks are always on the wrong end of these. Like they just, they, they get suspended. I bet you Gabriel's going to get suspended. And yet Shimmick's hit uh, is not going to get suspended, you know? So, it it's frustrating. And I understand a lot of sharks fans are probably feeling the same way. Um, I wish, I wish that they would do a little bit more, but going back to your point about Gambrell sticking up for him. Absolutely. Yeah. He's not going to be doing anything, but imagine this a month ago, right? Well, who got hit a month ago? Was it Shimmick? Shimmick got hit right from March or so. And then we stood up for him. Then we did anything. 
Like this is exactly the culture change that they wanted. So regardless, if you're a welterweight or a heavyweight, you're going to grab the guy and you're going to say, Hey, that's not okay. You do that again. Or you're going to have to answer to somebody, you know, and (laughs) going into, but at least you're, you're doing something right. Like you're, you're getting in their face. And this is what really made me kind of angry at the sharks. We're not doing this is Gambrell did that. Maybe you could sneak in a little punches in the face. Were there any penalties for that? No, get it. Like, get yours in there, hit them, make sure that they know that that's not okay. So um, I'm glad they're starting to do that now. And they're, they're, I think they're starting to realize, because I feel like before they were just kind of afraid not to take a penalty for what is going to be a, a power play for the Sharks. Um, I don't care, man, for dirty hits like that. No, you can't stand for that. So I'm glad that they did something. I, I love that. It's uh, the scenario you've painted is Dylan Gambrell saying, hey, you're going to have to face someone yeah, it's not gonna be him. Um, and and going to the Gabriel hit, I think that's why Gabriel kind of threw a dirty hit tonight, is because uh, he was probably waiting for an opportunity to pay back for last night's game, for this game, or the one we're talking about, that hit we're talking about from Schmaltz. So um, there's context to Gabriel's hit. He didn't just randomly go out and hit a guy. I think that's why, because he wasn't in the lineup last night. Gabriel wasn't right. So I'm sure he was itching to go out there and, and stand up for his boys. So I think that's that's what it was. Yeah. And and we'll we'll bring this up again later too for as more people kind of uh come into the chat and uh and probably gonna want to talk about the Gabriel hit. So we'll we'll circle back around and, and bring that up one more time. But um on the topic of culture at least, um after this game, I there was an article, or actually it was just a, an interview with Devin Dubnik when he said that he felt welcomed in San Jose like right away. Um, and that he would like to return for a full season, right? So uh, that kind of uh, struck a tone with me, and I got to ask Logan Couture during the postgame um, about Dubnik's comment there and kind of what that means in terms of the the locker room and the culture in the locker room. So uh, we'll go ahead and roll that clip for you guys right now. Hey, Logan. Uh, Dubnik had said, I think, yesterday that he felt welcomed right away, and I know you don't like to talk about moral victories after losses, but what does a comment like that from a veteran in this league say about the locker room right now and uh, how closely knit that your locker room is. Yeah, it's a good spot to play. Um, I've said it for, for 13 years. Uh, it's the best place in, in the NHL to play. Um, the way the organization treats us, the way that uh, everyone from the training staff to, uh, to management, um, you know, you, you feel welcome when you walk in our, our dressing room. Fortunately for me, I, I've played with a lot of, a lot of guys like Jumbo, uh, Ryan Klo, Patty, Pavs over the years, and um, they've, they've passed down how to treat teammates onto uh, onto the younger guys. And um, you know, we'd be we wouldn't be doing them justice if we didn't treat new players the way they treated us. So um, learned a lot from those guys, and uh, it bleeds down to the rest of our, rest of us in the room. So really interesting to me in that one, and I'll let you talk about this too. I didn't prepare you for this, so I'm sorry. But um, the the second name that he calls out when he says, I learned from a lot of veterans. The first was Jumbo. The second name he called out was Ryan Klo, which I, that one kind of took me by surprise. I, I just hadn't thought Ryan Klo. Um, so I don't know. I guess maybe your thoughts was, was Ryan Klo the type of leader? I mean, obviously, but what are the things that you remember from Ryan Klo that maybe would have Logan pick him out as that second guy um, right behind Jumbo, ahead of guys like Marlowe and whatnot. Like, what was it about Ryan Clo? You think? 
Well, he was like ultimate power forward to me, uh, kind of like Owen Nolan esque, uh, a goal scorer, a guy who can hit, a guy who can fight. He did pretty much everything you can ask for. Uh, so he was definitely a leader, um, especially when that was like kind of when Logan was I had fresh to the team and, and coming in, obviously, when he said, you know, looking up to the veterans. Um, Close absolutely up there. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think he did have an A on his chest for a while, too. So he was in one of the leadership circles. Um, but yeah, Ryan Klo, a great guy, and it was really sad to see him leave. And he also had to retire kind of early uh, because of concussion issues. In fact, he had to retire from coaching because of concussion issues, uh, which was pr- fairly recent in the last couple of years. Um, so I wish him the best. But yeah, Ryan Klo was one of my favorite players and a, a big fan favorite of San Jose Sharks if uh, people were fans around you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, absolutely just a beast of a player. So um, I completely understand when he's saying that that Klo was one of the one of the guys and, and the second guy that he kind of said uh, from when he had first started here. Let's uh, hit up a couple comments here. Actually, we got a uh, 299 super chat from none other than Lundy. Lundy, thank you so much again for supporting the show, buddy. Um, <laughs> this comment, not about Braun, says, I miss bad Minnesota and Arizona for easy wins. Don't we all? Um, absolutely. It'd be nice to uh, be the team that we were uh, just a few years ago where uh, these teams were were uh, two points, almost guaranteed uh, on, on every night. So uh, definitely miss that. Uh, but I do see that you followed up with a comment about Braun. He says, and Braun too, in terms of uh, I, I miss Braun too. So uh, <laughs> thank you for adding that one as well. We've got to stay on track with your MO. So uh, thank you, Lendy, again for supporting the show. We do appreciate you. Um, okay. So actually, why don't we go ahead and do this? Before we jump into tonight's game, um, I just want to push a couple of things. One, um, we have a 40% off um, in our store. Everything in our, our online store, the finfactor.com, is 40% off site-wide. We'll talk about this later on as well. But all the shirts, hats, stickers, everything is 40% off all the way through April 12th, which is the trade deadline at the finfactor.com. Uh, just wanted to say that really quick. And then also, uh, if you guys are not subscribed, please make sure that you do that. Hit the notification bell so that you know when we are going live and you can join the conversation. But the last thing really is... I would love for you guys to share. Um, so if you've got the link from Twitter or you're on uh, Facebook or wherever it is that you saw that we were going live, if you can share that to any of your friends, uh, your family, Sharks, uh, other extended family, uh, please do that. Uh, let them know about us because if you like us, maybe they will as well. And we do this uh, fairly often after every, what is it, like every two games or so. So uh, we'll be here for them uh, even if the Sharks are not here for them. So uh, there you go. Okay, moving on. Uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> – why are you laughing? Uh, let's move on to the, uh, the, the tonight's Arizona game. Aaron, 4 nothing loss. It was – Pretty bad, but the four was actually an empty net goal. Uh, Phil Kessel gets a hat trick again on the empty net goal. Uh, there's not a whole lot that was going well in this game. However, the first period, the Sharks did outshoot the Coyotes by a uh, total of 17 to nine. Uh, so they were pouring the shots on. I kind of feel like they did all this work and there's nothing to show for it. Was there just a lot of bombarding the net with just random shots? Do you feel like they had some good chances at least? Uh, they had some good chances. They just they couldn't put any of the rebounds in. That is the second opportunities they just couldn't get in. Um, I thought they had decent, obviously not good enough shots to beat Hill, but um, he they had their chances. It's not like uh, Arizona completely dominated this game, it, at least in the first period. Uh, it's probably a lot of emotions from the night before. They wanted to get uh, get on the board early, and they were pushing really hard. It's also back to back, so 
that's it makes sense that the first period they're a little bit better than they were in the second and third plus they took so many penalties that that wore down a lot of legs so uh the sharks get into penalty trouble like they did tonight and have to kill so many penalties that's going to kill their legs and they're just not going to have enough juice to come back at the end of the game um going into that third period even after the gabriel hit and they killed that five minute penalty uh they still were out or they were still in it it was only two nothing at that point so i was like man i almost tweeted this out and like man can you imagine they take that terrible penalty and kill five minute major <clears throat> vegas and come back and win the game like that would have been unreal so uh they definitely were still in it for most of the game even towards the end but um all that penalty killing man it's just gonna kill kill your legs on yeah. top of uh killing the penalty so um just just too much they didn't have enough juice yeah, hundred percent. Um, you mentioned there was a, it was two nothing. They were still in the game. Those two goals uh, come against in five shots, uh, both of which went five hole. Uh, the first one, I, I mean, again, I usually am the guy who's defending goaltenders, and and this was a two on one, so it was a a heightened situation, if you will. But Dubnik was square to the shot, and he saw it the whole way. According to Brett Hedekin, or maybe it was Doc Brown, uh, saying that he's giving him the five hole with the intentions of taking it away. In other words. He's showing him shoot here, and when he goes to shoot it, he's supposed to react faster than the shot to actually make the save. So he's basically daring him to try to score five hole. Unfortunately, he did. So um, it, that that one there, not so hot in my opinion uh, in terms of uh, of the goaltender's play. Um, however, the second one, I mean, I think it was Lawson Kraus. I forget who it was. Was standing literally his his, his butt was <laughs> in Dubnik's face. He could not see a thing at all, and he just kind of dropped when he thought the shot was coming and uh, it was already too late. The puck went five hole on him. Um, so I don't know if they were aiming for that necessarily, if there's a, maybe a scouting report on uh, Dubnik there, but uh, both those first two goals, that's exactly where they went. And again, they got him on just five shots uh, in that second period. So um, yeah, not, not the best uh, showing for the sharks in the second there. Again, like you said, this when the penalty started, started to come down. So um, I think for me, uh, the the word that best described the Sharks in that second, just by looking at the way that they were playing, um, not really skating that well, not passing that well, kind of chasing the puck a little bit. The word for me is discombobulated, and you can look that one up if you guys need to. But it's basically they were just kind of like playing without uh, without a brain. Uh, they were just kind of out there skating and moving. It didn't look like they were uh, a cohesive unit. It didn't look like they know, knew what they were doing. Um, they were just discombobulated there you go so um i don't know if you saw it the same way i think brett hedekin used the 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 term there was too many passengers um basically saying that you know everyone's waiting for somebody else to drive the bus and that can't happen especially not in this season with this team um we're not expecting them to all of a sudden go on a big winning streak necessarily but um to put forth a solid effort every night you can't sit back and hope that someone else you know like i said drive the bus uh, and right now, it's been Logan Couture. It's been Evander Kane. Those guys are, you know, at the helm of this team. But everybody needs to, to grab the reins. Everybody needs to take a little bit of uh, responsibility for the way this team is going, and and not just be a passenger, as Brett Hedekin had said. I mean, I mean, are you seeing that the same way in terms of the effort, uh, at least tonight? Absolutely. I would say even last night's game, I felt like there was even more passengers. They just they seem lifeless, like there's a handful of players that were trying and, and the rest are just like going through the motions, not skating hard, not being sharp, not even, not even trying like their effort level looked awful. They looked very disinterested in even being there. 
Um, I thought tonight was a little bit better, at least in the first period, but then as the penalties started to mount up and, and they started getting tired, you could tell they just, they're like, ah, this game's over. Like, we're just not even going to try it. It didn't feel like, uh, there was no mounting a comeback. It was just kind of like, ugh, playing through the motions, waiting to the trade deadline, see where the chips fall and see who's playing where, uh, this season's done to me. They're done. They're, they're just throwing the, throwing the towel in. That's what I feel like. At least well, after we seven, the last two games. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we said we were going to circle back to Curtis Gabriel and this whole uh, it's done thing with the, with the season you're saying. I'm kind of curious if the Curtis Gabriel experience might be over. Um, he gets the five-minute major on on the hit um, to uh, Oliver ekman Larson. It's a game misconduct as well, so he's done. Um, the, the NHL really went after him this time around, and I think a lot of it was because there was a promise that those types of antics weren't going to happen anymore. The stuff at the red line before the game had started, if you recall with uh, Mc, uh, McDermott, I think, or McDermott, I can't mm-hmm. remember McDermott with the ID at the end. Um, he came across the red line during warmups and Curtis Gabriel gave him that cross check, the league find him, And now he's on their radar. Right. So I think that had a lot to do with it as well. Um, the fact that he did this blindsided hit, and it's Oliver Ekman Larson. It's not like he's a star in the league necessarily, but he's a pretty big name in the league still. So uh, I, I think that basically kind of puts a target on his back with the NHL, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him uh, post game. You know, after the fact here, maybe tomorrow we'll we'll hear something more about it. Him getting another fine or a suspension or something. I feel like he's kind of like the Rafi Torres of this team. He has good intentions and he goes out there and plays with intensity, but then he does something that, that screws him up, right? So then that, that's where for me. It's, you know, there was that, that hit that was late and that's why they did it. But is for me, is the Curtis Gabriel experience over? Are, are we done with this guy uh, now? I don't think that the Sharks fans are. And I think that Bob Booner likes the what he brings. And I think he does add to the team. But if you've got a target on your back with the NHL now, I don't know. Yeah, you're going to have to cool it. But, I mean, we've seen players kind of like him. I mean, Tom Wilson is probably the best example, but Tom Wilson is a, a more of a skilled player than Gabriel. He's putting right. up 40, 50 points a season. Gabriel's not going to put up, he's going to put up maybe five points a season, but um, the way he hits though is kind of similar and Wilson's been in a lot of trouble. So um, yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see a suspension only because he was just on the radar last week. Um, now he's going to be considered a repeat offender um, it would be funny if he only got a five thousand dollar fine, though. Wouldn't that be justice? But that's that's the, that's not the, how the NHL works. So um, I don't know. Maybe they don't do anything because he did get a five minute major and kicked out. And maybe the legal look and say because I've seen this happen before, where they're like, "That's that's a right judgment call and an okay penalty for this player. We don't need to do anything more." Um, but we'll find out either tomorrow or when's the next Sharks game? Uh, probably tomorrow, then before the Sharks game, uh, if they're going to have a hearing or not. If they, if they say they're going to have a hearing, then you know it's a suspension. And if it's in person, it's less of a suspension than if it's on the phone. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if that's true during COVID times. I don't know how they do that. But if you're in person versus on the phone, it's less of a, less of a, uh, yeah, thanks, the more you know, less of a, a, uh, term i guess uh suspension term i i think you're right though i think this season um it's less telling yeah i think this season there's there's probably going to be less in-person everything's so we'll see um 
Okay, let's. Uh, oh, uh, last thing here was was to the Sharks' credit, and you kind of alluded to this before. We love making these little jabs at Vegas. Uh, to their credit, they didn't pull a Vegas, and they were actually able to kill all five minutes of the five minute major. <laughs> uh, it's a funny thing. Shortly after that, though, they got another penalty, and then uh, the third goal got scored, and uh, Coach Bob Bugner tries to challenge it for goaltender interference, I believe, and that gets. <laughs> Another penalty. So, uh, yeah, it was, like you said, just a night where they got to work on their penalty killing, apparently. So, um, Sharks put up nothing to show for it. So, I don't care what the score against is. Uh, when you put up a goose egg, it's not going to matter. And it's hard to put any points on the board when you're killing penalties all night. Although, again, that first period, they had their chances. They really could have done it. Um, it started off the game the right way and then maybe kind of faltered during the end. And, and maybe they would have been okay. But who knows? Uh, we'll never know. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and do the uh, roll call right about now. Um, thoughts on the Gabriel hit is uh, going to be the topic there. So tell us where you're watching from and uh, your thoughts on the Curtis Gabriel hit. And in those thoughts, you can let us know if you thought it was or wasn't dirty. Yes. But also kind of to my question, I'll pass it off to you guys. Um, do you feel that we've seen the end of Gabriel? Do you think he's going to be with this team uh, longer term? you know, beyond this season for the rest of the season only we're done with him altogether. Uh, or do you, do you think he's just here to stay? Who knows? Um, so go ahead. Give me your, your thoughts on that one there. Aaron, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, man. I know you kind of talked about it already, but I don't know. Do you, do you really think that this guy's got a future in the NHL? Uh, he didn't really have much before he came here. So, but at the same time, they're adding another team next year in Seattle. So that's going to take a lot of guys that were, kind of on the border of being signed to an NHL team and putting them in the NHL. Things are going to get spread out a little bit more. So yeah, I, I think he's still going to be in the NHL at least for a couple more years. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he does any more kind of dirty hits. I like the guy. I like what he does outside of hockey, but I mean, I didn't really like that hit. I didn't think it was the worst hit, but I didn't think it was a uh, smart, a smart time to do it. So yeah. Um, Hopefully he sticks around because I do like him. I like him in the lineup. I like when he's hitting clean uh, on guys because they keep their heads up and gives the Sharks a little bit of an edge, uh, which I think they've been lacking for years. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'd like to see a guy just like Curtis Gabriel, uh, but without the uh, the additional penalties and the over-the-topness. I think um, a guy that runs around and just hits people uh, but does it cleanly, uh, I'd be more than happy with one of the guys that didn't do that tonight was Timo Meyer. Um, I even Hedekin had said it during the broadcast. Or actually, it was Randy Hahn and Hedekin agreed with them saying, you know, that's one of those plays where you'd like to see Timo finish his check uh, instead of just kind of throwing your stick out at the guy. Um, you know, Timo, again, he's a big body. And I understand if his game is a little bit more of a skill game. But defensively, when you when you don't have the puck, we'll say when the other team's got the puck and you've got an opportunity to pound someone, buddy, you you're a big human being. And putting the, the, the hurt down on someone like that, um, I mean, that goes a long way, not just in that moment, but for the rest of the game. We've seen Curtis Gabriel and examples of the defenseman picking their head up and making a pass that maybe was a little ill-advised, we'll say, uh, because here comes Curtis Gabriel, right? Uh, that, that mentality has to be for more than just Curtis Gabriel. It's got to be for guys who maybe aren't contributing right now, like Timo hasn't really been. So, um, I, he's not put getting up on the score sheet. You didn't see him on tonight. Uh, I, I'd like to see him switch it up, contribute in other ways. And if that means you have to go out there and throw your body around a little bit more than you normally would, then please do that. 
Uh, regardless, I just think when he's got the opportunity to hit, he should be doing it. Um, you know, you're if you're a skill guy, that's one thing, but you're kind of a mix. You're a power forward. Uh, you should be doing both. You should be trying to score, but you should also be trying to punish. And I'm just not seeing enough of, of Timo Meyer in that regard. So um, he's got to know that when he's not putting the points up, he's got to contribute to this team in other ways. Uh, and yeah. unfortunately, that's just not the case. Any guesses on how many hits he had in tonight's game? No, how many? Goose egg. There you go. <laughs> Nothing. No credits for hits. That's yeah. That's bad, man. I it's mean, really bad. Well, going back to our Jamie Baker interview, he talked about how when he was in a rut, in a scoring rut, what did he do? He would first he would run hills until he threw up, and just run himself into the ground, get himself ready, get angry, and in games he would do all the little things that he knew he could do. He can beat somebody. Uh, Face off wins hitting guys, getting to the puck first, working his tail off because he knew he would at least participate and be a part of the game, even if he couldn't be putting it in the goal. So, and then eventually the goal streak would, or the goals would start coming. Timo Meyer is not doing that. He's not putting in the work and getting through a slump, basically. Um, I feel like the Sharks are full of players like that. Kevin LeBanc, probably another one, not putting in the work. Um, I could probably name off a half a dozen guys here. So uh, after watching tonight, the last two games, it, it was just so frustrating to watch the effort level um, and, or the lack of effort uh, in these games. It's just, it's frustrating to watch. I mean, if you look at these comments. Where was Timo tonight from Kyle Hipwell? Yeah. Yeah. He was not there. Uh, there's even another one in here somewhere about, about Timo, which is not yeah. there. Yeah, there, there was one that was uh, way higher up there talking about Timo. I don't know who it was, but uh, yes, bang on. Absolutely. Um, Murphy. Timo Meyer was terrible tonight. He barely did anything except not hit people. It's, it's very accurate. <laughs> there you go. Um, and we got Kyle here saying you guys are a couple of beauties. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. I think. I'm not sure. Uh, one guy who's a beauty with the the stick lifting, though, uh, Patrick Marlowe. You were very impressed with Patrick Marlowe. Honestly, I didn't see this. I didn't catch this. So it's really? uh, this one's all I, on you. Go right ahead. Jump in. Oh, man. I feel like almost every night Patrick Marlowe skates from behind, catches a guy not looking, and stick lifts him and takes the puck away. I feel like it's at least one or two. Tonight's game, I saw two, maybe three tonight itself. Um, he's unbelievable at it. And... To me, it's like, wow, I, I feel like he's not getting enough recognition for this. But to me, he's the best Sharks player I've ever seen do the stick lift. I'm not saying he's the best ever in the league, but for the Sharks team, over the years, I've never seen anyone do it better than Patrick Barlow. Skates, I mean, part of it is he can skate. He's fast still, so he can catch guys. And, but I feel like he's playing against his son or something, and he just comes up, chips it, takes it, and gone. And you're like, oh, what just happened? Like, it happens every night. So watch for it. The next game, watch for it. Patrick Marlowe will stick left somebody and take the puck away, guaranteed. All right, I'll keep my eyes peeled. Uh, it's, it's funny that you uh, you talk about the stick lift. I was skating with my sons uh, because they opened up uh, the sportsplex, uh, yeah. some small open rink time, right? And I was taking them out there. And uh, my my smallest one, I'll put my stick out uh, to get the puck, and I won't actually like be going for it. But he knows when I've got the stick out there and I'm going for it, he stick lifts me right before I get to the puck, and he takes the puck away. Um, so yeah, he's, he's pretty fast too. So hopefully he follows in Patrick Marlowe's footsteps and, uh, is vying for the most, uh, games in the NHL <laughs> played. <laughs> Who knows? 
Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, Patrick Marlowe apparently doing a very good job with the stick lift. Uh, so watch for that now, folks. Aaron's calling it out. He thinks uh, he thinks he's the guy uh, to be watching for that stuff. So there you go. Um, let's bring back the Timo clock. Kyle says uh, <laughs> I'll bring back the Timo clock when it's Timo time. It is not Timo time. I'll put it right here, and then I'll just go. Bloop. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something else. Uh, I, I honestly would not be surprised, and I can't necessarily say that I would be too emotionally affected if Timo were a part of a trade to bring something back. Now, I'm not sure exactly what his contract looks like uh, solely in terms of years left, years remaining on the contract. Right now. You want to know? Okay, yeah, you go ahead and look that up while I stall for you. Um, I got it right here. It's six Timo, million. Two more years at six million. Two more years. So if Timo was a part of the rebuilding process, if he was to get shipped out. Now, I'm not saying give up on Timo. I'm not saying he's not a great talent. He is. He's a phenomenal talent. Um, My problem is I think he's capable of a lot more. And even if you were able to do more with another team, that would be better for him and better for us if we're not getting everything that we can out of him in terms of effort and uh, his play style and everything else, right? So, I mean... I don't know. I, I think he's definitely capable of more. I just don't know why it's not coming out with the Sharks. Uh, maybe because he's kind of down about the whole season, or maybe it's just, you know what? Again, this has been a really awkward season, um, really tough for everybody in the league, not just the Sharks. I'm not trying to make an excuse here, but um, and, you know, different people get affected different ways by this stuff and, and how difficult this has been. So maybe it's hitting him a little bit harder. Maybe he's um, not used to the amount of games that they have to string together and the amount of travel and the amount of quarantining and being by yourself and not being able to see your family for stretches at a time or whatever. They can, although that stuff's kind of over now, but um, I think that's, that maybe has a, a larger effect than, than we know. And I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it, this isn't just the, this season thing. We talked about this in seasons past. We put the Timo time clock down in seasons past so, um, in, in fact, I think our last episodes before we had, we stopped doing episodes, um, with the, with COVID coming out and everything, I believe the last things we were talking about was Timo time and putting the clock down. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but I think that was around the same time frame. Um, regardless, again, for me, I don't know that I would be too emotionally involved if Timo was a part of a package. Uh, to bring something back to San Jose right now. I do, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I don't know, too sad about it. Depending on what was coming back, I guess. I mean, I could say that just about every single Sharks player. Depending on what's coming back, I may or may not be really that sad. Um, not that I think they need to blow up everything and get rid of everything, but if they were to bring back some high-profile player uh, and trading Timo, and the interesting about Timo is he's got two after the season two more years at six million he's also an rfa after that so he's not a ufa um that's a big deal so the sharks will retain his rights or whoever has him would retain his rights uh to sign him again um unless someone offered him uh, an offer sheet so um it what's really sad is the 2015 draft was legendary there's so many good players that came out of that draft and the sharks got timo i think ninth overall and at 10th, the next pick was Miko Rantanen of Colorado. That's just, that one hurts. Because Miko yeah. is clearly a better player. Clearly. Just yeah. 
Yeah, oh. I mean, we could we could definitely go back in the previous drafts and uh, could have, would have, should have the whole thing. But um, I know I don't like doing that because everyone's like, "Oh, you could have picked this guy five picks later." But when it's the one pick right after, yes, the Sharks literally could have drafted him instead. That yeah. that's the ones that hurt when it's like you miss it by one. When you miss it by like ten, it's like okay, nine other teams missed him too, so yeah. that's that doesn't hurt as much. Um, but yeah, that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sad depending on what's coming back. I wouldn't be sad. Fair enough. Okay. Well, uh, are there any comments you wanted to go through here or should we uh, kind of wrap up? Um, well, I want to, I want to highlight Kyle's here about Timo since we're talking about, it. he said, I know Timo's young, but I think this may be what he is like last year, this year, 49 and 70 last year on a similar pace this year. So let's say 55, 60 point guy, maybe some years will be a bit higher. I think on a very good team, like we had when we went to the conference finals and everyone was scoring, that's probably going to be close to his peak. And that was about 60 points-ish. Probably be a 30-goal, 30-assist guy, 60 points. It's pretty good. There's not a lot of those players in the NHL. On a bad year, when the team is bad, Timo's bad. He's not a player that's really driving the line or driving his team. So he's going to be more of a 40-point player. 20 goals, 20 assists. That's just not enough. It's not going to do it. So he's unfortunately, to me, he's going to be a second-line guy. He's never going to be a first-line guy. Um and that's okay. You just have to pay him as such <laughs> or yeah. realize what you're getting in a way, you know, like people used to just hate on Patrick Marlowe because they felt that, I mean, look at Jeremy Roenick. He was so angry at him when he played with him because he, he saw the talent and he's like, you could be so much better to me. Patrick Marlowe is Mr. Consistent, man. You know what you're going to get. This is back 10 years ago. He was going to be a 25 goal guy, 25 assists 30 assists he's gonna be about a 55 60 point player i'm fine with that you know he's not gonna miss any games he's gonna be there every night he's not gonna be uh, a 100 and or 110 point player back in the day so i was fine with it and people just would get so angry um and i just never understood why it's kind of the same way in this with timo you just have to know what he is and be happy with it and that's fine that that's a very good serviceable nhl player i just I wouldn't be sad if he was gone and on the Sharks. Yeah, uh, I, I think you bring up a good point that he's kind of um, doesn't really drive the team. If the Sharks are doing well, he's doing well. If the Sharks are doing not so well, he kind of falls into the same rut uh, that the team is going through. Uh, whereas, you know, when the team's not doing well, a guy like Logan Couture or Evander Kane, they're out there scoring goals. They're out there generating plays. Um, even Eric Carlson, I think, it looked pretty good in, in longer stretches. But with Timo... Uh, he kind of just goes however which way the team is going. So uh, you, you can't really rely on the guy to kind of be a slump buster, if you will. Um, and there's too many times where instead of giving 100% effort, he's taking uh, 40% off. And speaking of 40% off, good transition. Uh, <laughs> if you go to thefinfactor.com, again, we have 40% off of all of our products store-wide. Premium t-shirts, snap bag hats. Sticker packs, all of them are 40% off their price. They are priced as marked, and we have all items in stock. Uh, also, make sure that uh, you realize that while the items are in stock, there is a limited supply. We are physically holding these. So once we sell out of whatever sizes and colors uh, you might be interested in, they are gone. Uh, and again, the prices are going to be marked as such through April 12th, which is the trade deadline. Uh, so go ahead, head over to thefinfactor.com, get your 40% off. Uh, before the sale does go away. And like I said, we are uh, very uh, happy to be supported by the community. Uh, thank you guys so much for all of the help. 
uh, that you've given us. Uh, again, Lundy tonight hitting us with the super chat once again. Uh, and also the Venmo. I don't know if you guys have the, the Venmo. There's the, the merch there at thefinfactor.com. But if you did want to contribute and support the show, uh, you can go ahead and do that through Venmo as well. And that's right down at the bottom here. Uh, at the Fin Factor is uh, how you can do that. So we appreciate uh, you guys coming in and giving us all of the uh, love and support in the comment section and uh, through Super Chat Venmo. And going to the store, obviously, and picking up yourself something really nice. We had some comments about how the uh, the hats are an absolute steal at the eighteen dollars price point. And I got to tell you, the people are sleeping on the shirts. Uh, the fifteen dollars for the shirt, the shirt is super soft. And uh, again, it shows your support for the show. So we do appreciate that. If you do happen to pick something up, please do take a picture of it, send it to us. We'll be happy to put it uh, in the show. Uh, we had some some uh, sales recently, some people taking advantage of the sale, but they just uh, didn't want to take a picture, I guess. So uh, if that's you, feel free to do that and uh, kick us back. Serious question, though, from Kyle. Where did the Jeep go? So it was not in my bedroom. I'm recording <laughs> in the garage. The Jeep is parked in the garage. But to make room, I have to pull it out of the garage and record the show. I don't want to reveal all the magic, but the Jeep is still here. I still own the Jeep. It's... In fact, that Jeep was the first thing I bought when I graduated college. So um, it's a 2005 Rubicon, and it's orange. I don't know if you could tell from the earlier pick. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Yes, yes. Get, get on, on with, it. with it. So anyway, it's a cool Jeep. Excellent way to wrap that up. Hey, real quick, Nicholas Egan said, I like the hats, except they don't fit my size eight head. Okay, so Nick, um, there's I think there's a little plastic extension thing you can get to kind of extend uh, on those snapbacks. So if you see probably just Amazon or something like snapback extension, uh, you could probably use one of those to give your your gigantic melon head uh, a little bit more space. So uh, there you go, Nicholas. Uh, didn't mean to call you Melonhead. Actually, I did. I'm not taking it back. It's too late. Okay, Aaron. Um, the Oh, sorry. Before we talk about the next two games, the last thing we wanted to promote, it's not for us. It's the Hockey is for Everyone t-shirt. So we're going to put the graphic on the screen right now. <laughs> right now, there it is. Okay. <laughs> it's the Hockey is for Everyone t-shirt. They are limited edition. It benefits Silicon Valley Pride. Uh, they come in small, medium, large, extra large. It costs $10 for shipping should you choose to have them shipped to you, but you can pick them up at Solar for America Ice Pro Shop. There is a limited availability in March 2021 or until they are sold out, which I imagine uh, is not far away because uh, March is wrapping up here. Uh, They are $29.99. Again, the extra $10 for shipping, but if you pick it up, it's just $29.99. They are available at sjteamshop.com. Again, benefits Silicon Valley Pride. Uh, they, They look great. They feel great. Uh, again, hockey is for everyone printed across the back with 21 on the back so we can commemorate right. the year they 2021. Just, uh, they just uh, posted today and I reposted on our Instagram that they are very close to selling out. So if you do want to get one, you better purchase it today sooner than later. There you go. We warned you guys. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes, there, there is that again. We, we like, um, we like kind of supporting the sharks and the initiatives and, uh, you know, pride hockey is for everyone. We, we like supporting that stuff. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Aaron was saying um, he likes Curtis Gabriel uh, so much for his his um, not antics on the ice, but for what he does off the ice as well. I think the guy's uh, just a really good human being. So uh, anything we can do to help support that, we can and we do. OK, Aaron, let's talk about the last 
uh, thing here. The next two games coming up, we're playing Minnesota. It's happening in San Jose. It's happening on Monday and Wednesday. Most of these games, Aaron, are going to be Friday, Saturday, and then the other two games are going to be Monday, Wednesday. Uh, so it just seems like that's kind of for the rest of the season. We're probably looking at Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday games. So this mini series happening with a gap in between, uh, not doing the back to back again here. Uh, so let me let me know what you think. What do you think about these games? Uh, we were hoping that the Sharks would pick up some points against the Arizona Coyotes. It doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, do you think they stand a chance against Minnesota? Not that they don't stand a chance, but um, I think if they get their work ethic back and maybe being home, getting a little bit of rest, you know, they get one day off tomorrow. So um, maybe, maybe they do. And I bet they, they're going to start Dubnik, I would think, in one of the games. I don't think they're going to do Jones, although this last week they did Jones – did they do Jones Monday, Wednesday, Friday? I think. This yeah, week. I think they did. Yeah, and then they did Dubnik today, and he did yeah. not do great, I guess. He let in four, or he let in three, because it was a four-nothing with the empty yeah. So um, I would think they would – I think emotionally they'd want Dubnik to get in there to beat his former team. But um, Jones has been playing kind of better. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. So I'd say a split here. I'd say one of the games they're going to win, one they're going to lose. What do you think? I don't know, man. I think uh, Minnesota's been on a tear right now, and I don't see the Sharks as the team that's going to stop them. I don't see them as the team that's going to break up their streak. So um, They are 8-2 and in their last 10 with a three-game winning streak right now. Yeah, I I don't know, man. (laughs) They're on the road, and they got to come all the way out here. Yeah, no, a fair point. Um, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that there's less of an advantage playing at home when compared to the comparison of lineups, if if that makes sense. I yeah. think they're just a stronger team regardless of where they're playing. Yeah. So um, I, I'm not really looking – I mean, I'd like to see us get at least a point here or there maybe, but uh, I think at this point, if we're pretty certain that they're not going to be a playoff team, right – um, I know I had said last last show that you know we're playing against LA Kings and Anaheim Ducks coming up. I think it's like five games coming up are against those teams, and you know who knows? Maybe we can get back into the mix. That's more lip service than anything else. I really don't think that this team is a playoff team. I don't think that this team, even if they made it, is going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Um, they do have some some big names, some good personnel. However, there's no reason to think all of a sudden that gets turned on because it hasn't been kind of all season. So um, I just don't think that uh, that we're a good matchup for Minnesota. I feel like we're going to lose both these games. I would be um, not happy, but um, maybe like a point here or there, uh, I think might be reasonable. But I I don't see us taking these games. So if you're looking for a split, I I mean, I hope they do what you think they're going to do because that would be – that would be more than I'm expecting, uh, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, I mean, remember Minnesota was supposed to be the team the Sharks were supposed to catch for that fourth spot, and they're actually quite well ahead. They have about six points over St. Louis, and St. Louis, yeah. and they have two games in hand on St. Louis. So Minnesota, to me, is kind of the surprise team in the West. Yeah. Not that I didn't think they would make playoffs, but I didn't think they would be this good. And Kaprizov is probably the main reason for it. Uh, their, their rookie sensation and I forget what his nickname is. It's uh, oh, I'm blanking on what it was. I just heard it the other day, and it's kind of funny. 
But uh, he is phenomenal to watch. He really changed that team. Minnesota, to me, is like a very boring, bland team, like just very vanilla, which is very Minnesota. And Kaprizov is complete mustard to the mayonnaise in there. So he's he's given a little bit of life, and and uh, it's fun to watch. And I like it. Uh, I like seeing rookies come into the league and, and tearing it up like that, even if they're not on the Sharks. I don't care. I just think it's exciting. It makes me excited to when we can go to games, go and see him in person because it's very different live seeing a person like that play, um, even if it's not for your team. So um, I think the league needs more players like that, and it's fantastic, and I wish he was a Shark. But regardless, I think he changes the look of Minnesota um, very much how Marion Gabrick used to be on Minnesota's team when they first became a team. He was like such a dynamic player. Um really really drove the team i think that's what he's gonna be he's gonna be a beast in this league um and he's only a rookie and he's already doing it so it's kind of cool but yeah minnesota is just better much better team i'm gonna bring up two comments real quick one uh well kyle's been bombarding the chat hoping that we're gonna pick one of them i think so i'm gonna pick a, a dad joke uh do you think san jose faced an up aiden hill battle tonight Another groaner. Thanks, Thanks Kyle. <laughs> wah, wah. Well done. Okay. Uh, and then Keith uh, says, how many games will they win between April 2nd through April 14th? Games against the Kings and Ducks. This Four. is where I think the Sharks win all of the games, quite frankly. Um, I know Aaron's saying no. I think they win all of these, but they still lose against the teams that matter. And we don't make the playoffs uh, for sure. Um, the other thing is we have to remember the Sharks are probably going to be sellers, right? So if they are sellers, which they will be, that means the team is going to be probably just that much worse. So it kind of depends. It kind of depends if they're making those trades closer to April 2nd, then the rest of those games have a higher probability of being losses. If they're holding out more towards the end, I think we can absolutely, with the roster we have, uh, beat the teams that we've already beat. And remember, they're going to be sellers too, so they're probably going to be dumping some of their talent in which case they'll be easier to beat as well. So uh, these games are kind of all up in the air. Frankly, I think these are teams that the Sharks can and should beat uh, every time we play them. And um, I'm looking for the same uh, during that stretch, the the second to the 12th that, that you're calling out there. Aaron, um, really quick, your thoughts on that one. Uh, yes, I think the team's only going to get worse. They're not going to get better with the trade deadline and some interesting notes on the trade deadline. I, I posted this tweet to you uh, earlier, but um, last week I was talking about how the two week quarantine from a player going to Canada uh, might throw a wrench in things. And we might see some trades early. Well, Canada just announced that they're going to approve a seven day quarantine for extra testing for NHL players traded from the American teams, to the Canadian teams before the trade deadline. Um, all the NHL teams have already approved the measures. So, that's going to help, I think, the trade deadline. Now we are going to see a little bit more players because, I mean, that means instead of missing three or four games on a team that you're getting traded to, you're going to be playing in those. So that's, that's a big deal. Um, so that, that I think, changes things, and maybe we'll see a little bit more trades happen. So, yeah, the Sharks are just going to get worse um, leading up to the trade deadline, and then afterwards it's going to be, okay, well, Let's play the young guys and see what we got and let them kind of learn, give them a lot more ice time, which I am all in favor for. So I guess we'll probably leave you guys with that uplifting thought that these sharks are only going to get worse. Um, Like I said said before, at least it's a short season. We're not watching them in person. We're not booing them on the ice. 
It's going to be rip the Band-Aid off, get rid of the season. Let's go to the draft. Let's get some more picks, uh, and let's start next year already. Uh, one last comment here. Jamie Murphy says the Kings aren't selling. I Personally, then that's a mistake. I think uh, I don't care who they've signed, uh, whoever else they've got that's available to uh, to move. They'll be one yeah. year contracts. Any one year contract should be gone. If they're not doing that, they're making huge mistakes, and I would not expect them uh, to make a mistake like that. So absolutely be sellers. Yeah, there'll be sellers because they're going to have some of those contracts that they're going to want to get rid of. They're going to have, and they're going to want to make space for their uh, uh, young guys up and coming. Like Byfield was another one we just talked about in here. Yeah, Uh, Kyle said keep an eye on Byfield. He's been lighting up the A lately. Top twenty, under twenty score. He's going to be a load for the Sharks in the future. It was actually kind of a surprise that he was not on the roster this year and that they did put him in the AHL um, because he was definitely a player that was drafted and ready to play in the NHL. But um, I think they didn't want to burn a year of his contract because they knew they weren't going to be going anywhere. So um, I think that's what that was more about. Well, it uh, looks like some people are agreeing with Jamie here, but um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I think uh, it would be a miracle, but... We'll see. Keep your eye on it, guys. I don't want to have to say I told you so later, but uh, I will. And you know that I will because I don't care. <laughs> so uh, We'll go ahead and leave you that uh, next show Wednesday night, 10, 15 p.m. That's going to be directly after the second game of the uh, Minnesota mini series. So, again, if you are not subscribed, please do that and hit that notification bell. So you guys know when we are going live, because there are times we say we're going to be on 10, 15, but then sometimes it's a little bit later than that over times and whatnot. So um, go ahead and do that. And of course, again, anytime that you guys can either retweet us or share us or whatever, when we are going live and get us out to a few more sharks fans, get this comment section really filled in and get some more uh, comments flowing. We would absolutely appreciate your help in doing that. Uh, anyway, you guys can support the show, not just through super chat, not just through going to the store where you're getting 40% off of everything. Um, but also, uh, being able to kind of, uh, push us out to some other people in the uh, sharks community. We would absolutely uh, thank you for that. So, Aaron, any last things you want to say here? We're wrapping up. You don't have a picture this time, do you? I do not. Sorry. Good. It's, it's hard to find. I'll, I'll see what I can do for next week. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I guess that wraps it up again, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate you uh, giving us the comments and supporting the show. Lundy, thanks again, buddy. We appreciate that. Uh, so we are going to be seeing you guys gosh on Wednesday I shouldn't have said that because that's how you end it but uh, we'll be seeing you guys on Wednesday and uh, hopefully we'll have something more interesting to talk about for you guys so for Super Producer Jason I'm Paul and I'm Aaron and we will see you guys I guess Wednesday you got it 10-15 (laughs) catch you later bye bye thanks for tuning in if you like this episode check out our other content especially interviews you can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.